walked in here with, whatever challenges we're facing, whatever's going on in our lives, Lord, some are here today and they rejoice because of victories going on in their lives. And Father, we rejoice with them. Some, Lord, have come today because they, they're, they're here and they've lost family members. They, maybe they've lost a job. It's been a tough week for them. And Father, we weep with them and we join them, Father, and let them know they're not alone. And Father, I pray today for those that come in that are heartbroken, they're facing challenges. They're here today, Lord, because they need a word from you. They need to know that you're there. They need to know that you care about them. Some are even questioning today, Lord, if you're even out there. I pray, Lord, today that whatever that need is, Lord, you would meet them at the point of their need and that you would speak to their heart. And Father, not in such a way that they think you should, but in the right way for them so that they will hear you and know that you are God, that you love them and that you have a plan for their life. And what the devil's meant for evil, what the world's meant for evil, Lord, you're gonna turn it around for their good they'll just draw close to you. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Trish, would you mind coming up for a second? Let you share this morning. Thank you, worship team, very much. We appreciate y'all. some pastor guests from Hernando, Mississippi here. Could, would you mind standing? And I'm sorry, what are your names? David and Annette. David and Annette. It is so good that you're here. Please welcome them. We're so honored you're here. I wanted to share with you something that I think you've probably heard before, but it was something that God was impressing on my heart that I should share today. And it's in the 23rd Psalm. Who has heard of the 23rd Psalm? I think we've all heard of that one. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In the Amplified, it says this, the Lord is my shepherd to feed me, to guide me and to shield me, and I shall not lack any good thing. I was talking to somebody like years ago and uh, I, I preached on the 23rd Psalm, a shepherd's look at the 23rd Psalm. And she said, do you know, I always thought that meant I shouldn't want anything. I shouldn't ask for anything. That's not what that means. It means you will lack no good thing. It says he makes me to lie down in fresh, tender, green pastures. He leads me beside the still and restful waters. He refreshes my soul. He restores my soul my life, myself. He leads me in the paths of righteousness, which is uprightness and right standing with him, not for my earning it, but because he said he would, for his namesake. Yes, I may walk through deep, sunless valley of the shadow of death, but I will not fear, I will not dread any evil because you are with me. Your rod to protect me, not to beat on me, but your rod to protect me and your staff to guide me along the way. They will be my comfort. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My brimming cup runs over. Surely or only 
goodness and mercy and unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life and through the length of my days the house of the Lord and his presence shall be my dwelling place is that good that is really good one thing I wanted to say about that when we're talking about the Lord we're talking about this is the Lord of the angel host of armies. This is the Lord who is omniscient. He knows everything. He sees the end from the beginning. He's prepared. This is the Lord who is the Lord of all the little details. The Lord that knows every hair on your head. That knows what you're going to do before you're born. That knows your name. That numbers all of your days. That looks at all the stars and knows them all. Calls them all by name and he calls you by name that's the Lord we're talking about and this is what I want to encourage you in there's always something that's kind of your part you've got to be with the shepherd you've got to be part of that 99 that sticks with the shepherd and not be the one that runs off because in his path the path that he has prepared and when I was talking about this before and and addressing the ladies about it I told him uh, and I'll tell you this really briefly a good shepherd will go into the field before he ever takes his sheep. And it may take him days. It may take him weeks. It may take him months to make sure the noxious weeds are pulled out, to make sure that there aren't stones and, and things that would harm the sheep. This is the Lord who is your shepherd, who knows everything, who is preparing that place for you. So if you will, if you will, Walk in his way and not stray. And if you've strayed, come back in. He always welcomes us with open arms, doesn't he? If you've ever strayed and come back, you know what I'm talking about. If you've strayed and you haven't come back, come back and see if I'm not right. And I promise you, you're going to come up to me and say, you know when you said that that Sunday? You're right. He welcomed me with open arms. He didn't upbraid me. He didn't make me feel bad about it. I came to him and he was glad to see me. If you will follow God's way for you, even if it doesn't seem like the right thing, even if it doesn't seem like the fun thing, even if it doesn't seem like it makes any sense at all, I promise you, he's going to lead you in these things. He's not going to make it too hard for you. He's going to make sure your path is straight. He's going to make sure that that pasture is cleared out and that it doesn't bring you harm. And he's going to protect you and be with you every step of the way, if you will. Amen? Amen. That's great. Got your Bibles this morning? Lift them up. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's Word. It's His truth transforming every part of my life, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the reason we do that every week, some of you go, well, that sounds silly. Well, it's really not silly, because what I want you to understand is we hold this up because this is what we stand on. This is our foundation. This is the truth. And so if the Bible tells you that you are something as, his, as God's son or daughter, then you are those things. Everything in this book is written for you, and it's truth for you, and it will absolutely change your life. But you have to receive it. 
And if you'll begin to believe that and walk in the promises of God, God will change your heart and he will fulfill his word for your life. Amen? Well, we are so excited to be back. We had a good time in Texas. It wasn't hot enough here. So we decided we needed to go somewhere that was a little bit warmer. So we went down to South Texas and had a really good time with my family and, and enjoyed them. But we were really glad to be home. I, I really kind of was with you last Sunday. Um, I, about 10 o'clock, I started texting Marty. <laughs> so every few minutes, I'd text Marty. So what's going on? How's it going? How's everything? And uh, it was kind of cool because he was giving me snapshots of what was going on in the sanctuary. So it's kind of neat. So those of you that were asleep, I'll talk to you afterwards today. No, but Evan did a fantastic job, Evan. We're really proud that you did such a great job. And, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those guys that, if you'll notice, if you've been here for a while, you know I'm usually only out of the pulpit a couple of times a year. I'm very protective of what you get fed. That you're, you're the sheep of this family. I, I'm responsible for what you eat, like Trisha was talking about, and so I wanted to make sure that you were getting good food, and he did a great job. So, Evan, we're, we're proud of you. Um, Big week, guys. Big week. Uh, I want you to make sure next Saturday you've got your schedules cleared. Sunday, tonight, we're going to be getting together here in the sanctuary. Barbie's going to get you lined out. If you've not gone into the fellowship hall, I encourage you to go back there and look around. It's pretty amazing. Um, this week, this property is going to entirely transform to handle all these thousands of people that are going to be coming next Saturday. Just to be real brief uh, and give you a heads up, Next Saturday at 6 a.m., we want all the volunteers to show up. We're going to have breakfast and a time of prayer. And the reason you say, Pastor, 6 a.m., well, that's because last year we had people here about 6.15 showing up to get in line. And uh, for those of you that remember, if you show up at 7 o'clock, you may not have a parking spot. <laughs> so we want to encourage you to get here early, and we definitely want to come together and pray. And, and the reason we want to do that is what this event about is not a social program. Matter of fact, look at your notes. And, and again, I apologize, the screens are out. For many of you, as you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had that big thunderstorm that rolled through. Lightning struck the building, knocked our phones out, knocked the screens out. So we're in the midst of getting all this put back together. So um, we'll have all that. Hopefully this next week we'll have the screens back on. But if you've got your notes, look at them real quick. If not, open your Bibles up to Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. This is Jesus talking. I always like to pay attention when Jesus is saying something. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone. Y'all say everyone. Everyone in the house. Now listen to this next verse, verse 16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for who to see? For all to see, so that, what's the next word? Everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Read that again. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You know, I've had people ask me before, not a lot of people, but a few people, why do you guys do the backpack deal? You're just giving away stuff and all that. The reason we do it is hope. We do it because thousands of people will be on this property, many from broken homes, hurt families, messed up backgrounds. They don't know that God exists. They don't know that he cares. And we do this event 
to show our community, and this is in our entire community coming together. We do this to show people in our community that there's a God in heaven who loves them. And one of these days, maybe it won't be this next Saturday, but it will be down the road. There's going to come a place where these people come to a decision point, And they're going to remember that there were some people that loved them and pointed them to God. And maybe they need to try this God thing out. Maybe they need to see if he's really there. And I look at this scripture and it resonates in my heart because it's exactly what's going to happen next Saturday. In the same way, Jesus said, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father. There will be people here that think the church is full of hypocrites. And there are lots of hypocrites in churches. There will be people here that are wondering if God's real. And we're going to tangibly show them the love of God. And I want to encourage all of you that are going to be here next week. And you're going to hear me repeat this over and over again. I want you to, I want to have enough volunteers here this next Saturday so that we have time to slow down around people and love on them. So that we have the opportunity to say to people and pray with them for those that are broken. To take a minute and reach out to people and show them and share with them the love of God. Not just give them a backpack. Not just give them a haircut, not just give them a pair of shoes or some clothes or food, all the amazing things that are going to happen. We are tangibly showing people that God loves them. You know, Jesus said, if you even give a cup of cold water in my name, sometimes it's little things. And so when you come here next week, you are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And the reason is, is because we're pointing everybody to our Father in heaven so that people will go, wow, there is a God in heaven. That's really working. Amen? I have a question for you today, though. We're going to be talking the next couple weeks about shining our light. I'm excited not only about this message, but next week's message. I'm going to be talking about Noah and the ark next week. You know, we've been here four years, never preached about Noah and the ark. I'm really excited. God showed me some cool stuff this week while I was sitting in a hammock. (laughs) I need to try that more often. (laughs) But, But usually he speaks to me in the shower, but this time it was in a hammock. But he talked to me a little bit about Noah's Ark, so, so I'm excited next week to share that message with you. I think it's going to be revelational. I learned some things out of it. But we're going to talk today about your stream of influence or your sphere of influence. How many of you have heard that term, sphere of influence, before? Yeah, most of us have. And what that basically means is what level of influence do you have with people around you? And the Scripture actually has a lot to say about this. So we're going to start today, and we're going to read out of Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 31. And the story is talking about the Apostle Paul and Silas in jail. The Apostle Paul and Silas in jail. So I'm going to read the story. Here we go. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who learned, earned a lot of money for her masters. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. Isn't it interesting that a demon-possessed girl was talking about the gospel? Interesting. Verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and he said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. You know, I was thinking, you know, if you watch TV at all, you see all these movies about demon possession and all these different things that go on. This would have been a very short movie, (laughs) wouldn't it? It would have been a very, very short movie. I mean, 
This, this demon-possessed girl is following them day after day. These are servants of the Most High, you know, and here they're following along. And finally, Paul gets sick of it, the Bible tells us, exasperated. And he turns around and goes, in the name of Jesus, get out of her. Boom, demon gone. Movie over. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> the next problem wasn't with the demons, it was with all the people. Because, see, here's what happened. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and grabbed them, dragged them before the authorities of the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews. They shouted to the city of officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. How many of you thought lately, you know what would be fun? To be stripped and beaten with a wooden rod. Does that sound exciting to you? Not me. So the mob formed Paul and Silas. They stripped and beat them with wooden rods. The Bible tells us in verse 23 that they were severely beaten and then they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they did not escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Listen to this next statement. And the other prisoners were listening. Just a side note. When you go through trials and tribulations in your life, other people are listening. And they're watching how you respond. Suddenly, verse 26, there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his own sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself, we are all here. And I know it doesn't say this, but the jailer probably went, whew, Verse 29, the jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and he asked them, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31, they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. What an amazing story. And and here's the truth. There's probably two or three different sermons that I could preach in here. And and I can't do that because we don't have time. I'll only have you here today till 2 o'clock. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, 1.30. But anyway, uh, verse 31 is what I want us to focus on today. Again, many, many great things in the story. But look at verse 31. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved and then this next statement is very interesting. Along with everyone in your household. Everybody say household. household. The word household right here is a Greek word, and that Greek word is oikos. Everybody say oikos. oikos. Bless you. <laughs> but this Greek word here is oikos, and here's what this word means. This is what the word household means. The people under your roof of influence or your relational covering. Or the people under your sphere of influence, the people that you have influence over. That is what this scripture is saying. So let me read it again with that context. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. That's personally, you have to do that. 
along with everyone in your household, along with your sphere of influence. And I want you to understand why this is so important. Not everyone is called to be a preacher. There's very few of us. Not everyone is called to be an evangelist, and I'm talking about your spiritual calling. Not everyone is called to be a teacher, but everyone is called to influence your oikos. This is revelational because many of us in Christendom believe that, well, it's the pastor's job to pray and preach and all those things, and that is not true at all. As a matter of fact, Scripture doesn't support that. My job is to do those things, but your job is to do things also. I'm to preach and teach. My job as a pastor is to equip you to do the work of the gospel. That's what the Bible teaches us very clearly. That's why we're always trying to motivate you to get you involved and get you doing things. But understand, you are called to be an evangelist, and your call to evangelism is to your oikos, to your sphere of influence. And that's how the gospel is supposed to be spread. And I'm going to show you some things here in a few minutes that I think are, think are amazing. But look at your notes. If you've got your notes there, I want to talk about your personal oikos, your sphere of influence, what you are responsible for as a Christian. That's what we're going to talk about today. So the first question is, looking at your notes, the first question is, who are my people? Who are my people? Who are my peeps? Who are my homies? Who are the people that I am called to influence? Who is that relational covering that is close to me? Well, I want to define that for you because I think it's a legitimate question. What is that? Here's what we come to understand. That you have, most of us, most of us, have 12 people in our lives that I would call an intimate circle. There are, statistically, there are 12 people in your life, and the way we define that is people that you spend a quality hour or more with each week. One hour. So I want you to think right now, who are the people in your life that you spend at least an hour a week with? Interesting statistic popped up as I was studying this. The average father in the United States spends seven minutes a day with their kids. That's 49 minutes a week. That means the average American father doesn't even spend an hour of quality time with their kids every week, which by this definition means that's not necessarily who their oikos is. That is horrible. That is horrible. But I want you to think for a minute, who are the people that you spend more than an hour a week with? Probably coworkers, might be people at school, might be, you know, think about all that. Maybe it's family members. But who are those people? That is, by definition, your oikos, your sphere of influence, your stream of influence. Listen to Mark chapter 5, verse 19. But Jesus said, now go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Let me back up and tell you this story. This was a man who was demon-possessed, like the little girl in the story with Paul and Silas. This man was demon-possessed. Jesus came upon him, cast the demon out of him. This man came back to Jesus and said, let me follow you. Jesus, I want to follow you. But this was Jesus' response to him. No, I don't want you to follow me physically. I don't want you to physically follow me. Jesus said, no, don't follow me. Go home. Go to your oikos. Go back to your oikos and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. 
You know, it's been said, and I believe it's true, that our first ministry is to our family. You know, there, there are stay-at-home moms that I know maybe feel guilty about that. And I want you to understand something. That is one of the greatest callings in the world, to raise a family of godly children. To, to pour into your family. You know, guys, those of you that are spending time with your kids or your grandkids and, and you're pouring into their lives and, and spending quality time with them, you are influencing them. And Jesus is telling this man right here, no, I don't want you to physically follow me around. What I want you to do is go back home and tell them what God has done for you. When I read this, this was revelational to me. And it really struck me because what that told me, imagine if every one of you began to influence the 10 to 12 people around you in this way. What if every one of you did that? And see, Jesus didn't say, go preach them a three-point sermon. No. What he said is, go tell them what God has done for you. Go show them the love of God practically. Go live out faith in front of them. It's not about preaching the gospel. It's about living the gospel. Tell them what God's done for you. I want you to understand something today. You may not be a Bible theologian. I don't even consider myself to be one. But let me tell you something. The life that you live can shout the gospel. The life that you live says more than how well you know the Bible. You know the devil knows the Bible probably better than you do. but he doesn't have the love of God living in him like you do. And when you stand up and you begin to live that life and the love of God is flowing out of you, what I talked about today, the overflowing love of God is flowing out of your life to those people around you, then you are impacting your world. And I want to tell you something, Christians. If we want to change the world, it's not by changing the president. It's about changing your family. That's not in my notes, but that will preach. If we want to change the country, let's change our community. But let's start by changing our church. And let's start loving people around us with the love of God and allowing it to flow to our oikos, which is what Jesus is telling us to do. You don't have to go to Guatemala to go on a mission trip. Go to Walmart. Amen? I mean, really. And I think missions is awesome. We obviously support missions, and I don't want us to go on mission trips because we need to be doing that. We need to be going. But I want to tell you, it doesn't do us any good to evangelize Guatemala and Miss Hardy, Miss Cherokee Village. I'm going to share some information with my board next week, and I'm just going to clue you in a little bit. I had a study done recently that was sent to us by the Assemblies of God National Headquarters. And they did a demographic study of our region. It's about that thick. It's very exciting. <laughs> but one of the things that it tells us is within about 15 miles of right here are about four to 5,000 people that don't go to church anywhere. I don't have to go to Guatemala to reach people. You know, I think it's interesting that statistic, I think it's interesting that next Saturday there's going to be about four to 5,000 people that basically represent the four to 5,000 people around us that don't go to any, they don't have a church. They don't go anywhere. And Jesus is saying, impact your oikos. That's how we change the world, folks. 
Change your family. Change your friends. Reach the people around you. Reach your coworkers. Amen? Are you hearing me this morning? Amen. All right, let's move on. And everybody said? Oh, it gets better. <laughs> Y'all are not going to let me go anywhere again. <laughs> All right, second, second point. Where is my place? Geographically, where is my place? Listen to me, everyone. You are where you are, not by accident. God has placed you where you are absolutely on purpose. You are where you are for a reason. You know, I've noticed, and, and I was thinking about this yesterday, so many of us wish our lives away. Well, if I could just graduate high school. Well, if I could just graduate college. Well, if I could just get this job. Well, if I lived in this place. Well, and we set all these milestones that if we can achieve or move or do or something, then we will achieve, you know, we'll get there. How many of you have ever arrived? Let me see your hands. It's a lie. Okay, it's a lie. But, but that's what we do. We set these milestones. And there's nothing wrong with us setting goals. But what happens is life is what's going on while you're in between these milestones. And God has placed you where you are for a reason. You're at the sheriff's office for a reason. You're at the bank for a reason. You're here in this church for a reason. God has strategically placed you in that place. But he expects you to shine where you are. Because there's darkness where you are. There's darkness where you are. And God has placed you in that place. He's placed you at that university. Everywhere. He has taken his hand and he's put you there on purpose. So don't wish it away. No, I saw a sign this week that was very interesting. It said, if it was up to you to spread the gospel, how would you be doing? And I went, man, why do people say that? Of course, it was a different church, so it wasn't really me saying that. But I thought it was interesting. If I was the only one spreading the gospel, how good a job would I be doing? Boy, that really convicted me. And the reality is, it's about shining where we are and making that decision to do that. So I want to ask you today, where is your place? Psalm 90 verse 17 says this, And may the Lord your God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. You know, God wants you to shine and grow and move and and do great things where you are while you're on your way. Students in high school, you have a phenomenal ability to impact your friends around you in school. I told you the other day, some of you probably heard this, I received an email from a guy that I had led to the Lord 30 years ago when I was in high school. He said, man, I found you. And I don't get on Facebook because I don't want to be found. <laughs> he goes, man, I found you. And he'd gone to the website and got the email address. And he said, I just want you to know that it was, it was like 30 years or 28 years or whatever it was. It was back when we were, I think, freshmen or sophomores in high school. I had led him to the Lord. And he, want, he said, I just want you to know that I wanted to find you and tell you thank you because I've been living for the Lord since then. Now, that's nothing on me. Y'all know me better than that. It's not about me. But what it reminded me of is that he needed to hear the gospel back when we were in 10th grade. And it didn't come from a pastor, and it didn't come from an evangelist somewhere, and it didn't come from TV because back then we only had three stations. I mean, it came from a friend who was his oikos showing him the love of God. 
And so you need to understand that God has placed you where you are for a reason. And your job is to shine where you are so that people are looking and you're pointing them to your Father who is in heaven. Stop wasting, wasting your time wishing away for someday. Someday is today. I got a call from my mentor um, last Saturday. He said, man, Chris, I'm sorry. I haven't gotten back with you. We were supposed to visit on Friday while we were traveling. And he said, my brother unexpectedly passed away. So just died of a heart attack, just unexpected. Nobody was prepared for it. I said, Mark, what can I do for you? And he said, well, he said, you know, just pray for us. He said, but what I want you to do is tell your family you love them. Because you don't know how much time you have. You know, what if, what if this week was your last week on this planet? Boy, you go, Pastor, that's morbid. No, I'm not trying to be morbid. I'm trying to be real. You know, this gentleman that passed away last week, they, he wasn't planning on that. Had a family. But what if, what if God calls you home? And, and, and I don't want to stand before God, and I don't want to say, man, you know, I had all these great plans, God. If you'd have just given me more time. Doesn't work that way, folks. It's not up to you. Are you shining where you are? Are you making a difference where you are? Have you, have you touched the lives of those around you? Or are you waiting for someday, and someday may never come? Are you shining where you are? Here's the third point. What is my passion? I love this one. What is my passion? I want you to understand, I don't want this church to be built on my ideas or my personality, praise God. <laughs> I want this church to be built on the passions that God has put in your heart. You know, I loved, Barbie, I'm sorry, it's just the way it goes. I can do this because I'm the pastor. You know, this week Barbie sends me a text and she says, hey, I did a radio interview with Air One, which is a national Christian radio station that goes all around the country. And she did a radio interview with them this week about the backpack deal. And I was thinking where Barbie was three years ago. <laughs> That's awesome. And, and if, we will, if we'll just step up and step out and let him flow through us. You know, and I look at Tana and I look at what she does. Oh, y'all need to pray for her. <laughs> and that's the truth. But, but these people that carry these loads, and my wife, bless her heart, everybody said, amen, for sure. But, but God has called us all to come together and shine with our passions and work within our gifts and abilities. And when we all do our part, nobody has to do a whole lot. Everybody can do a little bit. And that's what God's calling us to do is to stand up and walk and become the people that he's called us to be and move and do I want you to listen to me today. I want you to find your passion and I want you to follow it. You will never be more alive than when you're doing what God's created you to be. You can make all the money in the world. You can do all that stuff and it will not fulfill you like doing what God's created you to do. You know, when I hear Wes sing, when I see Taylor sing and I see them moving those gifts and it's so almost effortless for them and it just blesses so many people and they're so humble about it, but they're fulfilled. I love that. And so this church needs to be built on people that are moving and living and within their passion. So Psalm 37, 4 says this, take delight in the Lord first, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. 
Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Draw close to him. Listen to this statement. The local church mobilized is the hope of the world. The local church mobilized is the hope of the world. The local church right now in most of the country is not the hope of the world. But the local church mobilized doing what it was created to do is the hope of the world. And I want you to know today, and I'm going to talk about it next. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. Y'all just have to come back. All right, so how do you influence your oikos? How do you do that? How, how do you actually influence the people around me? I know you understand now. God's called you to a level of influence. You have people around you that you are called to influence. That's the way he set it up. So we're all clear about that. But how do you do it? I mean, how do you practically do it? I'm going to show you. Number one in your notes, your manner. Your manner. People are watching you. I want you to understand this today. There is nothing like learning responsibility. I mean, how many of you are parents or grandparents? You know, if you want to grow up, become a parent. I mean, I'll never forget when, when I walked into the hospital and there was Taylor, you know, all born and everything. And, and, and I remember walking in going, I have no idea what I'm doing. I mean, did anybody else have that feeling? I mean, seriously. I mean, you can take a million classes on how to be a parent, and, and what's that going to do for you? But when you're actually in it and you're doing it, man, I laugh. See, Taylor, I didn't tell any stories on you. I know you were nervous the whole time, but I didn't tell any, but I could. Um, You want to know how you really grow and modify and change in your life? Get some responsibility. Listen to this statement. Nothing will help you grow more than knowing others are counting on you. Nothing will help you grow more than knowing other people are counting on you. You know, it's, it's difficult in life making changes, but it's a lot easier when you know that there's a whole group of people counting on you. You know, some of you go, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, let me tell you something. If you'll get in and teach a group of kids a little bit, you know, you'll probably show up if you know that there's 10 little third graders in here waiting for you to show up and teach them every week. Somebody say, ouch, why do you want to be like that? Well, because it's the truth. That's just the truth. You know, if you, if you want to grow, get some accountability and some responsibility. You know, let me tell you something. You know, I tend to be a little flighty. That's just, I'm wired that way. But I want to tell you something. I spend a lot of time working on these messages. You know why? Because I don't want to show up here Sunday morning because I know there's going to be 200 people looking at me. 400 sets of eyeballs. Unless you've only got one eye, so like 375 or something. So, so there's all these eyeballs that are looking at me every week and these ears that are listening to me every week. And I want to come prepared. So I spend a lot of time working on this stuff because I don't want to look like an idiot more than I do already sometimes, okay? So I want to come in here and be prepared. So there's this level of responsibility that says, guess what, Chris? Every Sunday, all those people are going to be expecting you to feed them. So guess what? I work really hard at it. But if you don't have any level of accountability or responsibility, there's really no motivation, is there? So what does that mean? What that means is you need to volunteer to do something. Say, Pastor, that takes me outside my comfort zone. Welcome to Christianity 101. 
Everything that God's going to call you to do is going to take you outside your comfort zone. But that's where growth is, and that's where excitement is. And I talked about it the other day where, I mean, guys, if you read your Bible, this is all about breaking out of your comfort zone. Okay? I mean, some of you are probably thinking, well, I'd like to lead a Bible study. Maybe if people would come over and gather around me while I'm in my lazy boy watching football, we can all praise God and pray the Razorbacks win. You know, that, no, that's not how it works. You got to step out and you got to do something. You got to do something. And see, I don't want us to be a church that just does an event for 4,000 people once a year. There's 4,000 people that need to be reached every week. And that's going to take more than 20 of us. Do you hear me? That's going to take something. That's going to take commitment. That's going to take you stepping out of your comfort zone. That's going to take you doing some things that matter. You know, I love the fact that we're going to do this great event and we're going to reach thousands of people. But what does that turn into at the end of the day? Are those people becoming disciples? Are those people coming to a salvation experience with the Lord? Are those people changing their generation? And you know what? 20 of us can't do that. It's going to take all of us. But that's how an army gets created. Once we all begin to take our part, God creates an army. Colossians 4, verses 5 through 6 says this, Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12, Make it your goal to live a quiet life, minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christians will respect the way you live. And you'll need not to depend on others. Change the world through faithful presence. Create environments where people's lives can change. Bless people where you are. Bless people where you are. Bloom where you're planted, guys. Bloom where you're planted. All right, here's number two. I really like this one a lot. Recognize your moment recognize your moment what do i mean by that what i mean there are divine appointments divine appointments and you've probably heard that term before where you'll run into somebody and and it was just it seemed like by happenstance it just seemed like an accident and you run into these people and then you realize after talking for a few moments moments that this is a divine appointment that god's put together that you realize god sent you on purpose to cross this person's path The question is, are you ready? Are you ready when that happens? You know, I I think in life, there there are two kinds of regrets. There are two types of sin, actually. There's the sin of commission, which is the sins that we commit, and there's, there's the sins of omission, and those are the things we never did, the opportunities that we missed, the opportunities that we had to love people or say things or do things, and we never did them. And I'm convinced that, that the things in life may not necessarily be that you'll be so regretful of the things that you did as much as the things that you never did, the things you didn't do, the opportunities that you missed. How many times have you looked back in your life right now? How many times have you looked back in life and said, I wish I would have said this? Or I wish I would have done this? That's what I'm talking about. And you need to recognize that God right now has got your life on course and he's gonna send you divine appointments, people that are gonna cross your path and you need to be ready for them. But here's what happens. We get so busy in life and so turned inward that we're not even looking around. 
We're not even looking around. And God is sending all these divine appointments your way, but you don't even see them because you're too busy focusing on yourself. Ouch. That wasn't nice at all. But it's true. That we get that way. We're selfish by design. I mean, you've heard me say this before, but think about it. How many of you have ever been around a little baby? Okay, come on, be honest. All right, some of you are a little baby. I'm just talking about no being around them. I'm not talking about, I mean, you've been around a little baby. How many times have you ever seen a little baby say, you know, I, I'm really hungry right now, but y'all go ahead and eat first? Have you ever seen that? No, you usually don't see that. What do babies usually do? Cry and whine. Why? Because they want something and they want it now and they want everybody to know that. Right? Because they're selfish. All they think about is themselves. And they're cute and that's why we keep them. (laughs) And that's why God made them that way. (laughs) It's like, no, it's so precious. I know it pooped all over me, but it's just, pre- look at that poopy. I mean, what? I, don't, I could way go off on that, but I'm not going to. But here's the thing. We have to get to the place in our lives where we begin to look and see the people that are around us and realize that God is sending us on divine intersections. Some of that's happening for somebody today. That God sent you here, and there's something in this message, whether I say it or not, that's for you. And God's placing that in your heart, and that's today. But when you leave this place, there's gonna be some of you that are gonna go to restaurants today, and you need to be looking around for divine opportunities and for appointments to to bless people and love on people and show them the love of God. Listen to this. Psalm 37, 23, the the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Open your eyes to where you are. Get involved. Don't just exist. Begin to live in the moment. Begin to live in the moment. Proverbs 16, 9 says this, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. God is guiding you every day. You know, I heard a story about a man this morning that he uh, had gone to a restaurant and he had spent a lot of time, Dave was telling me about this. this, this man would spend a lot of time in prayer. He was really praying and seeking God and he'd gone to a restaurant and the Lord told him to, uh, there was a guy sitting over by himself at the restaurant and the Lord said, I want you to go over and have breakfast with this guy. The guy said, okay. So he went over and said, hey, can I sit down? He said, sure. And he sat down and he began to minister. The guy said, well, who are you? He said, well, God sent me here to have breakfast with you. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? So he begins to sit there and minister to this guy. And this guy says, well, I come from a family of preachers and all that. And so over the course of the breakfast time, the, the man just ministers to him, has no idea who he is. Later he leaves, and it turns out the gentleman was Jimmy the Greek, a famous football analyst guy who just God wanted to send somebody to him and minister to him. And see, I can look at times in my life where I would get a phone call there had been somebody that called me that maybe I was going through a deep, dark time that nobody knew about, and somebody would call me and say, man, I was praying this morning, God put you on my heart. What's going on? And that was a divine appointment, and it just let me know that God was listening, and he was aware of what I was dealing with, and he sent somebody to help me. And he has called you to be that kind of person. But you have to slow down long enough to hear him. And then you have to respond when he quickens you to do that. Here's my last point. 
Share the message. Share the message. 1 Peter 3.15 says this, Instead, you must worship Christ as the Lord of your life, and if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. Let me tell you what that means. You don't have to be a Bible theologian. You don't. But when somebody asks you about your faith, you need to be able to explain what God's done in your life. See, to me, you know, I don't, I don't try to convince somebody that the Bible's this, that, or the other thing, you know, because I know that I can't change anybody's hearts. But what I can do is explain to them what God has done for me. And see, nobody can argue me out of my own testimony because I was there. Nobody can convince me that God's not real. Nobody can convince me that God doesn't talk to us. Nobody can convince me that God still doesn't do miracles. Why? Because I've been there. And and that's what this is talking about. When somebody comes up and says, tell me about your faith. I see something different about your life. Say, let me just tell you what God's done for me. You don't have to pull out your notes and say, let me explain to you how it all works. That's just going to freak them out. But you know what you can do? You can say, you know what? I was lost. I can tell somebody my story in three minutes. I was 16 years old. I grew up in a great family, had all kinds of money, had all kinds of things in my life, had achieved all this stuff at 16. I'd reached the top of the food chain, and I was empty. I was alone and empty. I grew up in the church. And one day, my youth group went on a mission trip, and we were sitting around doing a Bible study. And I'd been asking God, God, if you're there, let me know. God, if you're there, let me know. Completely sincere. God, if you're there, turn the light switch on and off. I remember doing that. God, if you're there, move this pencil on my desk. I mean, I was just seeking God. But I was sincere. And my Bible study, the group were up on this mountain in New Mexico, and we're going on this mission trip, and everybody leaves, and I'm sitting there by, your, by myself, and I said, God, if you're there, you've got to let me know. And the presence and the power of God fell on me. And the Lord said to me, inside my heart and inside my mind, he said, I will never leave you. And that changed my life. And that's my story. You know what? I don't have to present everything in gospel. I just got to tell him what happened to me. Because that's what happened to me. And he loves you as much as he loves me. And that's my story. And all I'm saying is, what's your story? That's what people need to hear. What is your story? What has God done in your life? Listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5. I have spit all over this. I'm glad this is metal, because this is... Y'all shake my hands afterwards today, okay? It's going to be great. (laughs) I'm going to get out of here fast today. Everybody be like, hey, Pastor, what's up? (laughs) I'll call you. Man hug. (laughs) <laughs> I did it again right then. That's all right. All right. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19 out of the New King James says this. Listen to this, y'all. This is cool. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, if anyone's saved, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Listen to this. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself brought us back to himself. Jesus died, rose again. Those of us that believe we're reconciled back to God, we're reunited with God, we're forgiven, okay? So, so he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, 
But listen to this. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And listen to this. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Very clearly, this is what this means. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to die for you. And when he did that, God reconciled us back to himself. When we received Jesus, we're reconciled back to him. But this is what Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica. Because of that, here's what happens. Here's what happens. God did that. And then he turned around and he handed the responsibility of reaching those around us to us. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So when we talk about around here being the hands and feet of Jesus, that's what we're talking about. It's not a catchy phrase. It's not a marketing hype. It's about we are given the ministry of reconciliation. God has called us to reach out to the lost and dying people around us and tell them our message and bring them into relationship with him. It's I want to introduce you to Jesus. Here's what he did for me. Let's see what he's going to do for you. That's it. That's it. Isn't that simple? And so I want you to think today, as we close, I want you to think today, what's your oikos? What has God called you to influence? Look around you. Think about your family. Think about those that you spend more an hour a week with. Those are the people that God's called you to influence on purpose. He's placed you there. And then the next step is sharing with them what God has done in your life. And then the final part of that is leading them to Jesus. Man, that's pretty simple, Pastor. It really is. It really is. So here's what I want you to do, folks. I want you to shine your light. I want you to take the love that God's put in you and begin to allow that to shine. I love what Jesus said. Who takes a light and put it, puts it under a bushel basket? Who covers it up with a bucket? That's my translation. I mean, that's, that's foolish. You wouldn't take a light and put a bucket over it. You lift it up so it provides light. And that's what Jesus is saying. Let your light so shine before men. Let your good deeds so shine before people that they glorify your Father in heaven. And then you tell them what he did for you. Do you see? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your love that's over us. Lord, I thank you that you care so much about us, God. That you sent Jesus to die for us. And, and Lord, now he's turned around. And as he's reconciled us, he's given us the responsibility to reach out to the world around us. And love them. And show them your love. Father, I pray today that you would move in this congregation, Lord. And I know that there are people that come here every week that are having different struggles, different challenges. And I pray, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, that you would reach them where they are. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord, you, you've never received him, but you want to do that today, I want you just to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. I want to be saved. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, but you've walked away in your faith. You've, you've allowed life to beat you up. You've tried to do things your own way. It's not working. But now you want to recommit your life to the Lord. You want to come back home. 
If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I want to recommit my heart today. Amen. Here's the final call today. If you're here today and you're carrying some burdens, you know, you're, you, you've got something going on in your life, in your family, at work, in your finances, in your body, whatever it is, but there's some challenges and you just need somebody to agree with you in prayer. You just need somebody to come alongside you and, and, and agree with you and pray that God will move on your behalf. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. Well, here's what I want to do. This is the most important thing that we do. We've got plenty of time. If you lifted your hand up for any of those reasons, or maybe you didn't, but you know you need to come down here, I'd like the prayer partners to come forward. And if you slipped your hand up, I'd like you to come forward also. We're going to pray and agree for God to minister to you where you are. you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, You can use anything, Lord. You can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. So take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak to me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me.
want to encourage you today. You know, I believe the word has clearly told us today that our greatest ministry is those that are closest to us, guys. It's your kids and your grandkids. It's your spouse. It's your your nieces, nephews. It's, It's the people in your Bible study group. It's the coworkers that God has placed you with. Let's not live a life of regrets. Let's not live a life where we look back and go, man, I wish I would have said this or I wish I would have done this. Make the decision that you're gonna begin to love those people. And you may not have to, you may not know all the right words. You may not, you may think, God, I'm not good at speaking. You know, I think Moses said that. You can come up with all kinds of excuses. But I tell you what, love is a universal language. And if you'll begin to love those around you, be patient with them and kind to them, and just share God's love with them, begin to pray for them, God will move in your midst and he'll change you and your household. You understand me? Make that decision today. You understand me? Let's all stand this morning. We've had folks down here praying. We want them to continue to pray. I want you to take your neighbor's hand. If you don't like them, it's okay. We have that rubbing alcohol in the lobby. (laughs) There's something about God's people coming together in unity and praying, you know it? Father, we just pray today, Lord, that you would move in our midst. And I pray, Father, as we leave this place, that you would open up our eyes, Lord, change our hearts, help us to see those around us that are hurting and lost. Lord, help us to, to let your love flow through us so that people can see the reality of who you are. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you go. We'll see you tonight.